Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Tom Tate from the Talent Experience Show, and I'm super excited to bring you some bonus audio today to the podcast feed. This is audio from our community conversation with our friends at Docebo. This is part of a series that we're doing on Zoom. It's a video chat. We're hosting them weekly on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern. If you want to learn more, check out the show notes in this episode and definitely enjoy this conversation. It was super fun, uh, again, with our friends from Docebo. Uh, at Phenom, our purpose is to help 8 billion people find the right job. That is a very bold purpose, um, and we are super energized and excited to continue the path. Uh, right now, we've adjusted that slightly. Our purpose is just to help people, right? That's it. I mean, we are all navigating uncharted waters. Um, obviously, we are continuing with, with our software products uh, to continue to help people find the right job. Uh, but right now, we are committed to engaging with the community at large, uh, connecting, listening, engaging, uh, and really just trying to help people as best as we can. Uh, and we have an awesome partner who is also in the business of helping people. Uh, we can't do this. We can't do the face-to-face communication, you know, in a coffee shop or at a conference like we used to, uh, in-person meetup, but we can do this, right? So why wouldn't we, why wouldn't we engage, uh, virtually and, and try to, uh, keep spirits high, keep each other learning continuously, uh, and just keeping things moving. Uh, I stole this off the internet. Uh, this is a great photo of you, Corey. Um, I found it uh, just doing a quick Google search. So I want to introduce Look our at that. guest. Um, Corey Marcel, uh, he is from Docebo. Do you want to give the quick uh, who you are, what you do, and give us the elevator pitch for Docebo for anyone who's not familiar? Yeah. Yeah. Well, everything's kind of running together now. I don't know if I know who I am or where I am anymore. <laughs> uh, it's, it's some kind of day. I'm at home, I think. Uh, but I'm Corey Marcel. I'm a strategic account executive over here at Docebo. Super excited uh, to be with Tom. I love the energy uh, already that, that you're bringing. I love the picture you found. That's my best angle is leaning back. Uh, right, double right. Chin yeah. there. That's the best one. Um, and I, I, work, uh, I work here for Docebo. And at Docebo, we enable your, your employees, your customers, and your partners to learn in the best way that they learn, whether it's socially, formally, um, in the flow of work. And we use artificial intelligence to help them kind of cut through the noise and find the most valuable information for them in that moment to help kind of upskill and advance them um, in kind of whatever direction they, they need to go. And so that's, that's our mission. We want to help 2 billion people. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, gonna try, I'm not trying to yeah. story top you. I just threw that out Oh, there. this just in. Uh, this this so, just in. We want to help 3 billion people. Just got a quick dispatch. Yeah, just got a quick dispatch. So yeah, no, 100%. I, I am like, when we were thinking about who should we have on our first community conversation as a partner, um, Docebo came up right away. Uh, because we have been working together because we have this shared mission of not just making sure people have the right job, but that they continue to develop within the jobs that they have and they continue to excel uh, and and build out really strong career paths and learning paths. Um, so I'm super excited that you decided to join us uh, and we're going to jump into the questions uh, right Let's do it. now. So the topic at hand is embracing upskilling and uh, creating informal informal learning opportunities uh, especially during this time of, of, uh, of change, right? And, and I've been using this time of uncertainty. Um, and of course, there is definitely uncertainty. Uh, but really, it's, it's, it's about embracing change, right? And how critical, uh, Corey, in your opinion, is just the function of learning 
during this time. You know, a lot of people are home. Uh, a lot of people who uh, could only do in-person jobs, they are now at home. They have more time on their hands. You know, so when you think about uh, just the common experience that everyone is going through, how critical is that function of learning? Yeah, great question. There's a lot of different ways you could go with this one. I think so. I think fundamentally, learning is always important. It's always critical. But what's interesting is in times of uncertainty, times of crisis, um, what you're learning and what you're reading, different things will stick out to you. Because now there's like an internal sense of urgency. There's uh, different uh, like adrenaline things and things that are pumping. And so your brain and your eyes are kind of drawn to items and lessons and things that wouldn't have normally stuck out to you before this time that now really resonate. Like there's books that I read a couple of years ago that at the time was like, all right, pretty good book, not a whole lot of takeaways, sure. where now I go back and read it and there's all these takeaways for me because this book was for someone in, you know, kind of experience a moment of crisis or uncertainty or something like that. And now it really resonates. So I think always be learning, but really pay attention to in these times of crisis, what are these other things that are kind of sticking out to me um, that, that could really help me during you know, a, a moment that's totally different from, you know, what, ho- what we hope to be, you know, our, our normal moments um, uh, get kind of going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that answer. And I've also been revisiting my library, you know, and, and kind of, <laughs> right. pull, you know, I've been, I've been pulling off, dusting off old articles. Um, like for, for me, uh, focusing on clarity um, and defining new goals, right? Because like the goals that I had a month ago are totally different than the goals that I have right, right. now. Um, a month so ago, think, it's a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. So once, once you redefine some of those goals and objectives, um, then you start to identify those new skills that you might need to help achieve those or the shifts in direction and uh, kind of like not just learning new things, but relearning old concepts and then applying them. I love that answer. Uh, so that has been uh, very relevant for me, for sure. Um, so the second one, one more thing, sorry, yeah. one more thing to add there that I think is you know, I, I think there's a silver lining here in the fact that we're all at home. And I try to always try to find the, the positive. It's, it can be tough. We're all going stir crazy. But I think some of the noise that we usually have, some of the chaos is cut away. And whenever you have that, you can kind of center on, you know, what do I really want to learn? What is truly important to me? And that's also really going to help direct you towards what, you know, what do I really want to learn about? What am I really interested in? There might be a lot of people that come out of this time that have total career pivots because you actually had enough time to sit here and say, what am I actually interested in? What do I really want to learn about? I have time to maybe develop that skill a little bit and you come out of this and you've got this kind of whole new career path. So I think that's going to be really interesting and exciting to see too, is if you take this time really understand yourself a little bit, what you're interested in, and then use this time to like leverage that time to learn more about that, that path. And history has shown us, right, that in previous recessions and previous times of uncertainty, um, innovation just skyrockets, right? Yep. And, and it's not just from um, a business or an entrepreneurial standpoint, it can be internal too, right? Like it can be innovating your positioning in, in your path as well. So Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think that's a fantastic answer. Uh, at this point, uh, if you are listening and you are engaging uh, with the community conversation, feel free to chat your answers to the questions as well, right? So if you find yourself at home, maybe you have extra time on your hands. 
uh, maybe you have less time on your hands, which means that the, <laughs> the less time that you have to learn, you need to be really hyper-focused on what you're learning, right? And how you're investing that time. So engage in the chat. Let us know. You can let all panelists and attendees or just let me and Corey know um, just what, what you've been learning, um, how, how valuable has it been for you. And um, you know maybe you haven't been learning and this is a good opportunity for you to realize that you haven't been learning. Uh, for me, that's been an issue. I learn a lot through podcasts. And I listen to podcasts on the commute. during my commute, right? So yeah. for me, without having that commute, I've had to actually um, fabricate the commute, right? So like, like <laughs> right. 15, 20 minutes before I log in, I sit back and I listen to podcasts. And then before I, I leave this room and I go downstairs with my wife and my three kids, um, I try to get like 15 to 20 minutes of listening time in before that, right? really good to balance like the work-life balance thing, but also like it introduces that learning time that otherwise I, I, I lost, you know? Yeah. That's so, that's so interesting is like, uh, there was, I think, I think you're not alone. I kind of had a hot take a couple months ago or like a couple weeks ago. It was like, I think the podcast industry is going to suffer a little bit over the yeah. next couple of months because everyone just had this passive learning where I'm, I'm going and I'm listening and now you actually have to make time for it, which is more difficult. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's really interesting. I love, I love that, uh, this comment from Samantha thinking, um, I'm learning a new software and now remembering how much I love, love learning a new tool. So kind of remembering like, Oh man, like I really did love this, like developing this skill. Right. That's such a cool, uh, that's such a cool comment. Yeah. So, uh, second question, because this is interesting. Uh, this is a concept that, you know, Dotebo talks about a lot and, uh, I've heard it in conversation, but for the for the uh, purpose of defining this, you know, when, when Docebo talks about this concept of social learning, uh, what's your definition of this? Like, how would you describe this to someone who's never really heard that phrase before? Yeah. So, I mean, the definition of social learning is just learning by observing others. Um, it's pretty much the, you know, the way we're wired as human beings. The reason our species has survived as long as we have is we're really good at kind of observing what others are doing and starting to model that behavior. If you've ever had kids, it's like unbelievable how whether good or bad, the behaviors that you're kind of enacting, they're really good at modeling those like really, really well. Yeah. And so that being such a huge part of how we've learned, how we're wired, part of our DNA um, I think it was really hard for people for a long period of time where that wasn't represented at all in how we learn someone in schools, but really in like the B2B space where right. like that wasn't represented at all. And so our, you know, our, our founder, Claudia, was really kind of uh, ahead of the curve when he said, hey, let's incorporate that social learning, that capability into the platform. Let's bring people together. Let's like have them show each other what they're doing so that we can incorporate that, that kind of huge component. Really, some people say 70, 80 per, 70 to 80% of how we learn is social. Let's sure. incorporate that into kind of how we do things. So, so that's uh, kind of a long-winded answer. But that's no, how no, no, that, yeah. that's super helpful. <laughs> and I think that it, I'm going to jump right into the second question. I, I couldn't do the next question without first defining it. And I think you did an awesome yeah. job doing that. Um, the, the new hot phrase, of course, is social distancing, right? And, and yeah. you know, we've heard a ton of that. And we probably have never heard that phrase before, you know, COVID-19, right? So um, how can you engage in and elevate social learning if we are in this process of um, this current state of social distancing? You know, like, uh, if we can't be in the office to observe, uh, if we can't have those 
uh, I, I like to call them the, the, the post meeting powwows, right? Where like you yeah. were just in a 45 minute meeting, but then there's always that small group that kind of hangs yeah. afterwards and let's take this offline. Yeah. yeah continues <laughs> the conversation. And those are learning opportunities, right? Like those, yep. like in many cases, like informal mentorship, it all kind of happens in these little moments throughout the day. Um, it doesn't necessarily happen through uh, Slack as frequently or as apparently as, as, as those in office experiences. So, you know, from your experience uh, at Docebo, um, you know, using the platform, having so many customers use the platform, what are some ways that we can really keep this at the forefront, elevate it, and uh, make sure that this shines throughout this period? Yeah, I think it has to be kind of a dual combination of kind of what you were talking about earlier with the podcast, where there has to be some kind of intentional um, like design and effort around it. But then there also has to be just the ability to to place social learning in the way of kind of our everyday life. And I'll kind of explain what I mean there. Being intentional about it is you have to kind of create opportunities for people to connect and be social with each other, whether that's moments like right now where we're, you know, set up, setting up this awesome, like, you know, coffee chat, we're talking, we're learning from each other, learning from like the comments in the chat. This is awesome. Um, or, you know, connecting with, you know, mentors or people on LinkedIn and asking for time. So I think those things you have to be kind of intentional and directed and say like, I, I want to go out, I want to learn from these people and I got to make time for it. And I think there's always going to be people that, you know, we need them to learn like in our organization, we need everyone in our organization to be learning. Uh, it's, vital to the organizational health. And so we've got to kind of put this social learning in the way of their everyday life. So they kind of just stumble into it. And I think that's where our customers really leverage our platform is by creating this kind of centralized place where all the learning is happening, formal, there's announcements, whatever. But then there's also this big social component. So every time I go in there, I'm seeing these conversations, I'm seeing what the you know, the top people in our organization are doing what they're talking about, what they're sharing. And so just by virtue of kind of being there, um, I'm learning. And yeah, so yeah. there's some people that are going to make time and there's other people that aren't. And so even for people that aren't, we've got to find a way to include them, whether that's, you know, the, the Nochebo platform, like our customers and like we're doing or other ways that you can find to, to do that. Yeah, Karen, Karen had a great comment here, you know, just create new communities of practice. I really like that idea, right, where you're all coming together, bonded by the same practice that you're trying to continue to uh, optimize or learn from. Um, she says, either within your organization or with peers across the country and the world using existing channels or creating new ones, right? So it doesn't always mean that you need to create a brand new channel, you know, like a brand new Slack channel, like that's a great idea, right? But you may already have existing channels that you can tap into. Um, Devin had mentioned, instead of listening to music, he's now listening to podcasts. And even if he's half listening, he's still uh, learning a bit, right? And I think that what you just mentioned too, about even through just observing conversations, you're you're absorbing more than you think, you know? So I think that creating the space or having something on in the background, super important. Uh, Brad mentioned something he's learning, digging deeper into analytics as opposed to just viewing them. Uh, I think that's really awesome as well. Um, So just moving to the next question, um, as we pivot and as, you know, many companies are um, changing their goals or changing their direction uh, or getting a better understanding of what their customers need right now and how they can serve that, uh, objectives are changing. Um, and then unfortunately, uh, for, for anybody who is furloughed, uh, or for anybody who is unfortunately laid off, 
um, that might be the opportunity, like you said earlier, where it was like, this might be the opportunity to, to, to adjust your career path completely. So I'm curious if you've come across any uh, ways, whether it's uh, like a, a formalized process or even just an informal inventory to really say like, what are the new skills? What are the things that I need to learn uh, right now? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's a phenomenal question, especially right now, as I think a lot of people are asking this. And I think, you know, there's tons of tools out there that do like a skills inventory and like where are you best suited and all that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> but if you're like me, when you take a test, I always like find myself answering which what like I feel yeah. would be the best answer. And so I never get the right result there. Like it never works for me. I'm always trying to like cheat the test. Um, and so what's always worked best for me is just kind of doing that self inventory where you like, just like a really hard look at yourself and say like, what do I feel like I'm good at? Maybe start there, like give yourself some softballs. Um, and then, Hey, what areas am I not good at? Like what, what was something I did recently where like, I feel like I wouldn't, I didn't do that great of a job. Sure. Like I, I could really like, improve. And then I also look to other people that I really admire people like in my role or in other roles, totally not in, in, but all related to what I do, what are things that they do really well that I really admire about them that I'd like to improve in? And, and those are like the skills that I say, those are the things that I want to work on. So the, taking a look at myself in the mirror and then looking at other people I really admire and then saying, those are the skills that I want to improve in. <clears throat> and then going in, finding ways to improve in those skills, whether it's, you know, formal courses, you know, asking them like, hey, you know, what are you doing? How are you working on this? You know, kind of yeah. meeting that social learning component. Um, and so that's just like for me personally, that's, that's kind of what I've always done. Great comments coming in too. So Angela says, yeah. I try to look at my career trajectory and someone that is in a job role mm -hmm. that I would like to be in myself one day uh, and ask them questions and try to involve myself in their projects and learn skills from them. Um, I, I think that is, is so great. Uh, so I think very rarely do we do we ask, right? Like very rarely do we actually approach somebody with the intention of, you know, Hey, I'm really interested in this, in this, this trajectory, or I'm really interested in what you do. You know, I'm very interested in what yeah. you do. What are some books that you've read? What are some skills that you've really honed in on to foster? And, you know, did you get that through, uh, formal training or did you just get that through experience? Because even if it's just experience, then you know, these are the types of experiences I need to seek out proactively. Uh, Matt says sharpen the saw hundred percent. You know, this is the time to do it. Um, yep. so yeah, really appreciate, uh, you know, your insights on this, this Corey. And, uh, I'm the same way when I take a test, I'm always kind of fudging the answers, you know, to, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm always answering what they think I should be answering and not necessarily the reality of the situation. And, um, yeah you know, not always getting the results that I need. So uh, question number five, um, how can we consider different types of content uh, to cater to different learning styles? You know, so I think that's a good way to think about this too is uh, most of us are in the same position now for the many of us for the first time uh, where we're working remotely. Uh, that is a new experience for many, many, uh, yeah. many, many people uh, at the moment. So uh, I'm going to ask this question to the audience uh, who's who's listening as well as to you, Corey. You know, what what are the different types of content that can cater to remote learning or individualized learning, you know, solo learning or collaborative learning? Like, this is definitely a question that uh, will help us help others for sure. Yep, yep. And I think this is... 
this has a lot to do with kind of that, like um, that introspection, you know, just understanding, you know, when you really learned a topic, you kind of think back when I really learned something, I learned it really well. <clears throat> how did I learn it? Um, was it sitting there and kind of getting in that deep work mindset where I'm by myself and I'm kind of hammering through this material? Um, was it talking through it? Was it actually doing the work? Um, or was it some kind of combination of those? And so I think that's step one is just go back, think about something that you, you do really well. How did you learn to do that? And that's probably your learning style. Sure. And so then now we've got to go try and find the content that kind of matches to that style. And it may be that it's kind of a combination. You may have to kind of sit there and, and kind of watch and listen for a while, then go out and try something. So you have to kind of invent uh, or kind of um, augment the learning that's available for you. But I think step one is just understanding what's my style and then going out and trying to find that style. And if it doesn't exist, trying to augment or, or enhance sure. the, the different content that's out there um, would, would be kind of the way I would, I would go about that. I think I, me personally, I'm someone that's got to do it. I'm like, a, I, I watch it, I do it. And then if I can explain it after that, like I, I'm good to go. For me, see kind of, yeah. What, what's for you? Yeah. For, for me, I, I'm definitely more of a, um, audio. Like I learned through, through audio. I, I like to hear about concepts, right? So what I typically do, my process is I like to hear about concepts. Um, and then for me, I have to write them down in my oh. own words. That's like my weird quirk, right? Like whether I learn through yeah. a YouTube, whether I learn something through a YouTube video or I learn through a podcast um, or I learn through a meeting with somebody, you know, or I read a book. Um, I have this weird system where I then take whatever I learned and I boil it down to three uh, basically concise bullet yes. points that I have to, I handwrite them. I literally handwrite them. And I think through the process of handwriting them, it's me processing um, the concepts and internalizing them. Uh, and then I figure out how can I then apply them to actual real world situations, right? So like, like yep. what you learn is only as good as how you apply it to add value, right? So I think Absolutely. for me, it's like, I learn it, I internalize it. And then I try to figure out like, okay, where in my day to day does this concept, this new skill make sense injecting to, yep. to bring more value? So that's kind of like my, my, process but it, it typically starts with audio for me because i like to do a lot like devin said i like to do a lot in the background um yep. and that's kind of how i soak things up um karen i oh go ahead yeah no go ahead go ahead i was gonna say i um before i got into kind of the my, my career that i'm in now i was a biology pre-med major and i worked in emergency rooms as a tech oh wow um and in the medical field um there's you know physicians have this this way that they learn or typically teach it's see one do one teach one yeah. So you see a procedure, you then try and do the procedure. And then if you can teach someone that procedure, it means that you've actually learned it. Yeah, so I always thought that yeah, was like a really sure. nice kind of progression and test of, yeah, if you can do all of those things like that, that concept or that skill is probably cemented in there. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Karen says, you know, people don't typically learn by watching and listening. They learn from doing exactly right. So the see one, do one, teach one. I mean, that's it. Right. Yep. So it's, it's yep. those levels of mastery. Right. And, and the more you teach, the more you master it. Right. The more you continue to yep. excel there. Um, love it. Um, Angela says, love the insight about teaching. I do remember that in college, uh, when I would study for tests, I would teach someone the concepts and that's when it would really stick. Yeah. i Angela was the one teaching those to me in college. I appreciate that. Yes, yes. Thank you, Angela. <laughs> Thank um, you, Angela. <laughs> yes, I love it. Um, and then finally, uh, last, last question. Um, 
are there content mm. or like specific topics that aren't right for social learning? And, you know, this is an interesting one, but I'm curious to know yeah. if you've come across anything that falls a little flat. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was thinking about this question and I was like, I don't know, honestly, I was like, I think maybe some, and I would love to hear what the kind of what everyone listening thinks about this as well. I think maybe some, you know, topics around, you know, you're more f- like hardcore or hardcore, more traditional formal topics, maybe like compliance related yeah. ethics, things like that. It's like, there is a, maybe there's like, there is a way that our organization does things. There's a way that we view things. And it's maybe those are a little bit more kind of, you know, get in line or this yeah, is the way we see things. It's pretty black and white. Yeah. Um, where other topics, it's maybe a little more flexible. There's a lot more opportunity for learning different points of view, where some topics are, this is kind of the way it is. And, you know, that's, that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with you there. And uh, I think it was Samantha that mentioned learning a new software product. You know, like software products is a great example of, yeah, you could probably learn just by looking over someone's shoulder, you know, and kind of evaluating and, and just, uh, just observing how they do it. But you might be better off just like when somebody launches or or releases a software product, they create formalized training for that purpose, right? So like going through the individualized modules or whatever the formal training is, is probably going to be your best bet to learn the baseline, you know, information that you need to know. And then the little uh, nuances about how to get the most out of it for your organization, you'll learn some of that through social learning. But like, yeah, yeah, like I think software is a good example of, of, um, you know, don't expect to learn through observation like go through the, the curriculum, you know, so to speak, you know, to kind of get everything you need to know. I love that. All right. I do have a bonus question. You haven't seen the bonus question yet. So you're going to, you're going to see this for Here the we first go. time. And I love it. Uh, for all of our attendees, I'm, I'm counting on you uh, to answer this bonus question. So if you're, if you're uh, still hanging on with us, I just want to bring up a little snippet that I saw in the news. Uh, Disney plus has racked up 50 million subscribers in five months. And I thought that that number was astronomical. Like, you know, maybe it's not, but like, I thought that that was pretty impressive um, to to have done this. Um, So while, you know, Disney has been affected by by COVID-19 with so many people being home, being home with kids, um, you don't even have to have kids to appreciate Disney Plus. No, you don't. Um, I, we watched blank check not too long ago, me and my wife, and it <laughs> holds classic. up. Yeah, it was great. So, uh, there's plenty, plenty to watch, but my, my bonus question, uh, Disney movies, I want to know, uh, <laughs> the most overrated Disney movie and the most Ooh. underrated Disney movie. Um, you know, we'll start with you, Corey, but I, I'm, I'm banking on the chat to light the fire. Uh, let us know what you think. I'll, I'll immediately go to most underrated. Sure. Um, because this one's popping up. Emperor's New Groove, exactly. Angela, I was gonna say Emperor's New Groove is the most underrated yeah, Disney yeah, movie okay, all okay. time. Um, overrated Frozen. Devin, is there a boot from the um? Uh, the, I'm just kidding. Yeah, can we boot? Uh, yeah, I, I, I have. The I've seen access. Frozen and Frozen Two more times than I've seen sure. anything else in my life. I've got a, a four year old daughter. Um, overrated, maybe. Hmm. I don't know. I'm going to come back to that. What are yours? What are yours on this one? While I'm thinking about overrated. Yeah. So I I think that under, so I'll go with underrated first. Mm -hmm. Um, Underrated for me uh, is, is uh, chicken little. Oh, another great one. Yeah. A great one. So it was CGI. It wasn't Pixar, but it was Disney. And, and uh, 
it had so much charm and and personality too. I think Zach Braff uh, was of Scrubs was the uh, voice of Chicken Little. Yeah, um, and yeah, underrated for me it would be Chicken Little. Um, Good one. Overrated for me. Uh, that's so that's where where I kind of stumble. I, I I've got mine. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. I've got mine for overrated. A Bug's Life. It was one of those original Pixar. Yes. Yep. Uh, you know the, the the first five or whatever that really put them on the map. The Bugs Life never resonated with me. It was yeah. Just, meh. yeah. I, I'm with Couldn't you on that one. It. Yeah, I totally agree with that. We have uh, underrated Treasure Island. That was a good one. Um, most underrated Coco. Coco. Uh, Coco yeah, Coco that one never gets any love, but that was good. Yeah. The music good. is phenomenal. Um, yeah, a lot of people are upset with Devin for this frozen comment that he made. Um, Treasure Island, though. You're kind of redeeming yourself with Treasure Island. The problem with yeah. Treasure Island is there's a lot of subtitles. And when you have young kids, uh, you're like yes. reading the subtitles yeah. to them. And that was, that was, that's why Treasure Island's banned for, I, oh no, Treasure, I'm thinking of, um, Atlantis. Atlantis okay. is the one yeah, yeah. I'm thinking yeah. of with the subtitles. Yeah. Uh, good Matt says uh, OG Robin Hood, super underrated. We actually watched that oh, one a couple ooh. weeks ago. That's yes, a good one. We, I showed yeah. that to the kids the, a couple weeks ago. That was great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, this is the best question you could have possibly asked. This is great. Yeah, I, yeah. I no, really this excited. was a good one. Maybe we should have led with this one, and then we, <laughs> yeah. we, we could have just kept the conversation going right. the whole time, right? There's so many Disney movies. We really could have kept going. So uh, it is 30 minutes after the hour for me, 1230 uh, Eastern time. So we're going to wrap things up. Uh, I'm going to flash my email address on the screen here, tom.tate.phenompeople.com if you want to suggest a guest host, be a guest host, and let me know what future topics you want to discuss on these community conversations. We're going to continue to have these weekly. We're going to have them on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Corey, thank you uh, so much for joining. It's been a blast. And I want to turn it over to you just to let people know the best way to get in touch with you, uh, stay uh, in touch with Docebo. If there's a really good resource that you want to direct people to, uh, we can yeah. share that. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find everything out of, about Docebo. Just go to docebo.com. It's D-O-C-E-B-O.com. Um, I'm Corey Marcel, uh, C-O-R-E-Y dot M-A-R-C-E-L at Docebo. If you have any questions, Sally, if you want to send that question over, I'd be happy to, to answer that one about kind of timing and, and dedicated yeah. to learning. I'm, I, that's, that's stuff that I'm really interested in as well. And uh, y'all, again, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. Tom, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to do this again yeah. anytime. Maybe a separate Disney podcast is something we could put in the works. <laughs> yeah, now you're speaking my language. So yeah, we'll <laughs> definitely keep in touch and uh, you know, wishing you uh, an awesome week. And of course, like tons of health and, and you know, for your fam- you and your family you so and loved ones and uh, the rest of your colleagues at Docebo. Uh, and well. we'll continue to collaborate. And uh, yeah, this has been fantastic. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. See ya. Bye.